The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson alongside Bennett Carroll, who is my co-pilot for this episode of Sox Machine Live on Thursday night, August 26th. 2021 as we are streaming live on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash socks machine. So for all those that are watching this live stream, thank you so much for doing so for the five people that watch on Twitch. Thank you. And for everybody else that's catching the stream on Twitter via Periscope. Hello, make sure to follow us at socks machine. Also follow Bennett at the Bennett K and you can follow me on Twitter at socks machine underscore Josh. Uh, but Bennett, I, I got a, I got a funny story to share. So typically we want to always dive right into what the white Sox have done as I was getting ready for the show. I, I wanted to trim up my beard uh, before being on camera. So I, I'm taking a shower and I turn the beard trimmer on and I make a pass and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I've been there. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I forgot to put the guard on. So for those that are watching, I am, I have less beard, <laughs> significantly it, less. Beard. You know what? It's, it's, you're waiting for the White Sox to clinch the playoffs so you can start your playoff beard properly. That that's all it is. I got you. Yeah, thank you. Because uh, Dylan Cease has a head start. Michael Kopech also has a head start. I mean, Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon, they've always had beards. Same thing with Lucas Giolito. But the, the playoff beard is really grown in right now for Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. They're going to look like ZZ Top before the American League Divisional Series uh, kicks in. Uh, however, as far as, uh, White Sox talk, other than, you know, my face talk and the lack of facial hair that I currently have, uh, my fiance Kim is not home at this moment and she is going to be very upset, uh, when she does get home. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, uh, the Chicago White Sox just wrapped up their series against the Toronto Blue Jays and the Thursday game Bennett was going awesome. 
for a really long time for the White Sox. After the top of the sixth inning, it's 9-2. Finally, here's an easy win. And then the Toronto Blue Jays and Marcus Simeon had himself a day as he hit a couple of home runs and drove in five RBIs. And then it's 9-7. to seven And thankfully, Ryan Tapera and Gary Crochet and Craig Kimbrell were able to lock it down after uh, Michael Kopech's hiccup. Uh, and we'll talk about as far as that outing for Michael Kopech. Uh, but for the White Sox to split in Toronto, the four games, two and two, what's your big takeaway after these four games against the Blue Jays, Bennett? Uh, the offense has to show up is like the easy yeah. answer. I like this is this is a very strong team from the bat, like as from the bat perspective, it's a very good team from the pitching perspective, but they're not going to win one nothing games. And if they do, they're not going to win it consistently enough to be okay with it. The offense needs to show up more more often and more regularly than either nine runs or run one run. Like I think we'd all appreciate just like three or four five run, you know, five run eight hit performances or five run ten hit performances where the offense is just having normal days, not either an explosive output or not showing up. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of looking at it as the pitching continues to to do what it can, at least the starting pitching. The, the bullpen has its ups and downs, but uh, the, the offense needs to find some consistency and just to level out uh, overall. Yeah, because you'll have some folks that say the White Sox scored 17 runs in four games against the Blue Jays. That's four runs per game. That's pretty good, right? But it's the way that it, it's you know divided up. Ten game, ten runs in game four, one run in game three, five in game two, and then one run again in game one. And unfortunately, the the White Sox kind of they kind of blew outstanding starts from Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. And Dylan Cease was awesome as well, uh, as I mentioned on the White Sox wake up call. Lynn Cease and Giolito combined for twenty innings pitched, and only allowed three earned runs and the White Sox lost two out of three of those games. And as I mentioned that White Sox wake up call Bennett for the games that the White Sox have lost in this series against the Blue Jays, I think will demonstrate how they're going to lose in the postseason. The starting pitching, I have, I have more faith in the starting pitching that they're going to hold up. They're not going to run out of gas before the regular season ends and they're going to be able to shut down even the more powerful offenses in the American League. I have more faith that they can do that. And I have faith that the White Sox will be in the game from the first to the sixth inning. It's the seventh through ninth that scares me right now. Because as I wrote about this on SoxMachine.com, fun with numbers. After the sixth inning, the White Sox offense takes a big nosedive as far as runs per inning that they score. And the bullpen bridge to whoever's going to be closing, and we'll talk about that in a moment as well, uh, still remains pretty shaky. And I think that's the takeaway that I have is that if you want to see on how the White Sox are going to lose games in the postseason, you saw it in Toronto. Outstanding starting pitching. The offense is non-existent because they're not hitting home runs because they consistently hit balls on the ground. And because there's no margin of error, that bullpen bridge in the seventh and eighth inning collapses and the White Sox lose. And then we're pointing fingers at the bullpen while people are defending the bullpen and pointing fingers at the offense. And all it really says is that the offense of the bullpen let down the White Sox starting pitching. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that today, by the way, the offense hit five home runs and, and suddenly the offense was clicking. Uh, the bullpen obviously still had some issues and, and, and had some, some problems as well, but you can, ha- it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say like football, cause it's not the right term. You can have one thing going wrong. You know, you can have an offense that's not hitting great, but your starting and bullpen is great, or your offense is crushing it and your starting pitching is great and your bullpen strong. You can't have two of the three and really, stick around and be successful. So today the offense was there and the starting pitching was there and it was enough for the bullpen to still have issues and they were able to hang on and win, but you can't do that with two of the three going wrong. And I think you saw that in some of the other games of the last couple of weeks. Really good point. Really good point, Bennett. Uh, Can I gush about the Luis Robert home run uh, in game four for a moment? Uh, I think that was the best at bat of his young career to date. And for those that missed it against Hinjin Ryu, the game's one to one. Tim Anderson had just singled. So there's a runner on first base and two outs. And Ryu steals a strike uh, on a on a cutter on off the inside corner. It was not a strike. It was, it was too far in to be a strike. But the home plate umpire called it a strike. And then Robert fouls off a pitch and he's down 0-2. And then Ryu throws change-ups outside, way outside, way off the outside corner. And Robert fouls that one off. And then the fourth pitch in the at-bat, Ryu throws another change-up, but this time it's much lower. And when he released it, I figured that Robert was in swing mode already, Bennett. And here comes a strikeout. But somehow Robert was able to foul it off. And again, I'm still thinking he's in swing mode. I wouldn't even throw a strike. And I'm sure Robert's going to chase. And Ryu thought the same thing. So he throws a high fastball in pitch number five. And Robert lays off it. And then he lays off the next two pitches. Like suddenly a mid-at-bat adjustment in which Robert told himself, I'm only going to swing at strikes. And I know what the strike zone is. And Ryu then goes from, I'm ahead 0-2 trying to strike out Luis Robert, to it's a full count. And on the eighth pitch of that bat, Ryu throws a 74-mile-per-hour curveball. Really slow, uh, especially in today's major leagues. And Robert's able to foul that off. And it's now pitch nine in the at-bat. So Ryu's thinking, I'll just throw an inside cutter. At the very least, Robert will just jam himself, maybe hit a grounder. And it will end the inning. Instead, Robert seems to know this pitch is coming or just waits long enough back and crushes it for a 410-foot home run. And it gives the White Sox the lead 3-1. to It shakes Ryu bad because in his next at bat, he goes full count again to Jose Abreu. And he throws back-to-back change-ups, which... I don't understand what the thinking is there because Abreu was slugging 750, slugging 750 on against changeups from left-handed pitchers. Like that's not the pitch you want to throw at all if you're a left-handed pitcher. And Ryu threw that pitch twice and rightfully got taken out of the yard uh, by Jose Abreu. But that at bat by Luis Robert just tells me how far he has come especially at the plate, especially what we saw from last September when he just looked lost, Bennett. 
And it was it was really disheartening because I thought Luis Robert was going to win the American League Rookie of the Year easily after his tremendous August. Then the league figures him out. He doesn't make the adjustment, and he looks he looks really bad in September. Uh, and Kyle Lewis takes the American League Rookie of the Year award away from Luis Robert. But since Robert has been off the injured list, we're still seeing this mature approach. And we saw today against Ryu. And if he can master these type of at-bats where he can make a mid-at-bat adjustment, work the count, and still flash the type of power and the strength that he has in taking a very good pitcher like Ryu out on a full count, man, does that make this White Sox offense a lot more dangerous. Yeah, it's it's funny. My thought last year with him was always because – in response to the the Houston Astros situation, the, the league basically banned all uh, iPads from players, right? To to yeah. study to study. So my thought with him was always, you know, with the knowledge that Jose Abreu once had to buy Eloy Jimenez an iPad to recap his at bats <laughs> and that sort of thing. You know, it's something that a lot of White Sox rookies probably struggle with when they first come up or when they're in the minors. You know, just not even just making big game adjustments, but knowing what to look for and how to study and what, and what to study. So my thought was always this year was going to be the year that, you know, Luis Robert, we know what the potential is. Now he's going to be able to look at it every app at and learn to make adjustments. And I, I'll be honest, the beginning of the year feels, the beginning of the season feels like it was about two years ago with the way 2020 <laughs> and 2021 have been rolling. So I know he didn't immediately step up and make this advanced approach. And I, I agree with you. It's maybe it was something while he was on the injured list, he took more time to study and, and matured his approach that way. But I think it's, I wouldn't shock me to hear if it was a lot of video review that helped him and that maturing approach uh, just as he sees more pitches. Don't let him hear what I have to say or don't tell him this, but our friends from the 108 Beef Loaf on their podcast in their latest episode, he was raving about the baseball IQ for Luis Robert and just how smart of a baseball player he truly is. And I think he flashed some of that baseball IQ in that at bat against Hinjin Ryu. And I am a big believer that if he can remain healthy, Luis Robert is the most talented player on this White Sox roster. Yes, you're going to get the home runs and the RBIs from Jose Abreu and Aloy Jimenez. And Tim Anderson is fantastic. And if Yohan Makata can ever hit for power again, he's going to put up huge numbers. But Luis Robert is the five-tool player. He is the player on this in this White Sox roster that if healthy and plays 150 of the 162 game season could challenge Mike Trout. I truly believe this in a war title and be in that MVP consideration just because he's someone that can go out and win the platinum glove as the best defender in the American league and in the major leagues, not just a gold glove in center field. He's hitting well above 300. He's hitting for contact, Bennett. He's walking more. We know about the elite speed when the hip flexor is fine, and right now he's taking it easy because he doesn't want to injure himself again before the postseason. And he's got easy power. Like, it's easy to see him hit 25 home runs without much effort uh, as far as in his swing. He, he's the player on this White Sox roster in 2022 and beyond that I believe 
can have a seven plus war season. And we haven't seen one of those seasons since the nineties with like Albert Bell and Frank Thomas. Yeah. I'll give you my, my fan 2022 fantasy baseball tip uh, of the year right now. It is draft Luis Robert because his ADP is going to be too low. Uh, if he's healthy, a hundred percent on your side. I don't know what his ceiling is. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in, there isn't a, like there is, if you told me next year, fully healthy, he went 30, 30, it was not a thought 40, 40. I'd be like, wow. He really took a step, but not out of the realm of possibility with his abilities. So it's, it's crazy. And yeah, agreed. I think as you said, the five tool all around, he has the most insane skill set of any member of the white Sox. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible to say, right? Cause Tim Anderson has done a terrific job in his development to be an incredibly dynamic player. And he currently leads the White Sox position players in wins above replacement. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Anderson and Jimenez and Mikata and Abreu. We can throw in Yasmani Grandal as well into that conversation as he's one of the better catchers in all of Major League Baseball. But Luis Roberts' talent is in another stratosphere compared to those guys. And uh, that's, I just, I really believe in his skill set. And we got to see another flash of his brilliance on Thursday. Uh, Speaking of flash of brilliance, returning to the White Sox is Carlos Rodon. The White Sox took it easy, and rightfully so. This was the first start in 19 days for Carlos Rodon. He only threw 67 pitches, but it was enough to get through five innings, and he only allowed two earned runs because, again, Marcus Simeon was very difficult to get out for the White Sox on Thursday. What did you make of Carlos Rodon's return, Bennett? Uh, relief. Uh, it was honestly, it was just good to see not just him coming back. The fact that he was able to be that efficient through five innings because, you know, the the old story with Carlos Rodon was always he would blow, just blow through 100 pitches in four and a third. So the yeah. fact that he could cruise <laughs> through that many that quickly, like, makes me feel good. Uh, he's, you know, he's the game one starter in the playoffs if everyone is healthy for me. So, okay. like, see, again, no issue easing him in, especially when the offense does what it does to start off while he's in there. Uh, but happy to see and relieved to see he was able to do that today. Yeah, and he hit 97.3 miles per hour uh, on Baseball Savannah's Farms and StatCast. So it's great to see him touch that velocity. Yes. I am sure that he has the opportunity to hit 100 miles per hour. But again, he's trying to ease back and get back into rhythm. He needs that 100 miles per hour on October 6th when the American League Divisional Series starts. And if Bennett is right, if he is the game one starter, that is when Rodon needs to have that type of velocity. But he really didn't need it against the Blue Jays. Again, it was just Marcus Simeon that got to him a couple of times as far as a solo home run and RBI single. But, you know, again, the White Sox starting pitching was awesome this series. 25 innings pitched by the four starters and they only allow five earned runs against this Blue Jays lineup. Uh, incredibly impressive. Uh, Michael Kopech, unfortunately, allowed five earned runs in one inning on Thursday, Bennett. And an odd series, an odd usage pattern for the White Sox with Michael Kopech. So on Tuesday, he throws nine pitches and he gets into a little bit of a jam Two base hits, runners on first and third. And with one out, Larusa decides, even with a four-run lead, that 
it's too close. I got to go get Liam Hendricks for the five out save. Uh, and then eventually Craig Kimbrell is warming up in the bullpen uh, just in case if, if Hendricks blows the save or it gets to a one run game. Like it was really odd usage and just such a short hook for Michael Kopech on Tuesday. Enter Thursday, he's got a seven run lead. I'm thinking this is a great opportunity for Michael Kopech to go two innings, extend himself. But the Blue Jays were on his fastball, and the slider was not sharp for Michael Kopech. It was hanging up on him. Uh, and the Blue Jays took advantage of it. And again, Marcus Simeon, uh, he had a three-run homer off Michael Kopech, and it goes from a 9-2, oh, this is going to be an easy afternoon game, to why are we sweating? What in the world is going on? It's 9-7? to What happened? Uh, what did you take away from Kopech's appearance, and are you now concerned about Kopech? So I think... And again, with the extra year off, it's so hard. When, when you're coming back from Tommy John, people will regularly go through a period of dead arm. And we haven't really seen it with Carlos Rodon, which also worries me, although that might have been what this this IL stint was. But Michael Kopech two years ago, three years ago, excuse me, when he was, was healthy before the Tommy John threw 126 innings. The year before that, he threw 134. There hasn't been another year where he's thrown more than 65 innings. So this year he is already on. And thankfully the MLB app is here because I have the stats right in front of me. He's at 50 innings pitched. So yes, he's thrown a lot more, but that was before Tommy John, before he stretched that arm out. So, and it's funny because I I was saying, I've been saying this from the get go, even when I really didn't uh, like anything Tony La Russa was doing, the way he deployed Michael Kopech was was perfect, and it really didn't make sense this series. But he's had struggles, so I like I also get it. So I don't know if he needs just a quick IL stint again, if he needs a full reset, put him at the back of the bullpen, which I guess that's what today was supposed to be. But yeah. but you know, just a full clean slate. You're not sending him down like that wouldn't make sense. But even if it's just like take some time. You know, you'll work a couple extra bullpen days, you know, just clear your system. He needs something. It might just be his arm is acting, not acting up, but but a little dead just from the the added work from recently. But long term, it's still obviously no worries. Just, you know, concerned about, you know, the load on his arm right now, I think. We got a couple of comments. And for those that are listening to the podcast version uh, of this Sox Machine Live. When we are streaming live on youtube.com slash Sox Machine, for those watching the live stream, they can chat with us via the comment section, post questions as well uh, that we'll read live during the show. We got a couple of comments regarding uh, Luis Robert. One from Tim Mayer. Luis Robert has a sixth tool, and that's TikTok. And yes, uh, <laughs> my my lady friends have found Luis Robert's TikTok. And uh Big fans. They are now big fans of Luis Robert. Uh, and then, uh, of course, our friend Beef Loaf uh, wrote to us, Luis Robert is beautiful. I love him. And shame on me for trading him in my 2019 Socks Machine offseason plan project. And Buddy will never let you forget. Uh, <laughs> a very popular sports radio topic in Chicago, Bennett, is who should be closing games for the Chicago White Sox. And I say sports radio topic because this is a conversation that gets everyone riled up. 
Who should be closing games? Liam Hendricks or Craig Kimbrell? Kimbrell's only comfortable pitching the ninth, so he should be closing games. And you can't mess with the mental aspect of him. And I, I don't buy any of that. Like, <laughs> Kim, like Kimbrell did come out in, on Thursday in the ninth, and he looked the best that he's looked in a White Sox uniform. Should the White Sox make a shift change in who closes games? Yes, honestly. I think Liam Hendricks, we know he, he – we saw, you know, we were talking about with Michael Kovac. We know he can go five outs. We know he can come in in any role. I have no issue, and I think it's been become – it's when, it, when people say the Andrew Miller role, people generally know what it means. Uh, yeah. One of my hosts referred to it as the effector. The relief ace is the most popular version. I think Liam Hendricks slots into that so perfectly because you know he can come in – Anywhere, anytime, he can get you one out, he can get you six outs, whatever you need. And again, it's that thing where, like, I don't believe clutch exists, but I believe anti-clutch exists. Where, like, I don't I don't think that that's a thing for Craig Kimball, but if he thinks it's a thing, then it might be a thing. So, like, if that's the way it's going to work with Craig Kimball, like, let's – we traded Nick Madrigal. We got to make sure we get our money's worth kind of thing, you know? So – I, if we have to keep him in the ninth, we have to keep him in the ninth. And I think that Liam Hendricks has shown he can be deployed anywhere. And that's what I think a lot of us wanted earlier in the year anyways, was Liam Hendricks being able to come out in the seventh or in the eighth as needed in a non-save situation. Yeah, in the highest of high leverage situations, right? If three, four, and five are coming up in the eighth inning, you'd rather have Hendricks shut down that part of the lineup and go to someone like Cody Hoyer or Aaron Bummer, like we were thinking at the beginning part of the season, then pitch the ninth if they're going up against six, seven, eight, because it'll be an easier task. Obviously, that never came to fruition because Hoyer is now with the Chicago Cubs. And I don't think you really want to see Aaron Bummer right now anywhere near a high leverage situation for a little bit. Uh, the dude is struggling. I just find it to be such a diva mentality. And let's let's face it, pitchers can be very diva-like, okay? Chris Sale was a diva with the Chicago White Sox. He wanted his guy behind home plate. If he didn't get his way, he would go call and scream at Kenny Williams until he got his way. And Sale, rightfully so, should have gotten his way probably more often because... He was the most talented starting pitcher that we saw in a White Sox uniform until probably this championship core. Uh, and maybe you can still make the argument that 2015 and 2016 Chris Sale was on another level than the starting pitchers that we're currently seeing with the White Sox. It's just that we haven't seen this type of one through five of a White Sox starting rotation since their championship year in 2005. Uh, pitchers can definitely be divas. And if Craig Kimbrell is honestly in the mentality of, I only do well if I pitch in the ninth, that's a diva in my book. And I, it doesn't make sense to me because Kimbrell, game seven of the World Series, it's extra innings. Can you go in the 10th inning? No, because I'm only good in the ninth. What the heck, man? <laughs> you know, what does it matter? The game is on the line. We need you there. You forgot it has to be a clean inning, too. There can't be anyone on or any outs. It has to be three up, three, up, three down. It's the only way I can go. <laughs> Good luck. And you better pay me $16 million to do it. Uh, yeah, I just, it's, I don't know, at least for me personally, 
Uh, if I shut off the analytics part of my brain and just be a meatball fan for a moment, it's not a great introduction, at least to me as a White Sox fan, for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I've, I've expected more clean outings from him because he was shut down for the Chicago Cubs. That's why I was so excited when Rick Hahn pulled that trigger and got Craig Kimbrell. It's like, wow, now you have really went above and beyond to fix the bullpen issues. Here we are on August 26th and Bennett, we're still talking about the bullpen bridge still being shaky. It's not Rick Hahn's fault. The process was terrific. He got the guys. The guys are just not performing well. Except for Ryan Tapera. Let's take a moment here. Ryan Tapera has been lights out since his really bad first impression with the White Sox at home. Tapera has been terrific for the White Sox closing out that seventh inning. It's just the eighth inning. I honestly, Ben, I don't think the White Sox know what they want to do in the eighth inning. And today we saw Garrett Crochet, and he was terrific in the eighth inning. Maybe he's the eighth inning guy. We'll see. Uh, I think that's a lot of pressure, but I think that is going to be his future role. You mentioned relief ace when the White Sox drafted Garrett Crochet. That's what I thought he ultimately can be is a relief ace. But we have seen so many different combinations and so many different ways on how the eighth inning has just blown up in the White Sox faces that we're still talking about the eighth inning being the danger zone for the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, if Vince Papali is around, it's basically an open tryout right now. Uh, it's, I think you're going to keep seeing guys shifted in to give that shot. So I think Michael Kopech was going to be lined up for that, especially before the, the trade for Craig Kimbrell. And now he's struggling. So now it's not looking at him. You know, Ryan Tapera throws a great seventh. I think if Garrett Crochet doesn't throw a good eighth today, Ryan Tapera probably slips into the eighth next time. So <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's just that kind of thing where, you know, it's unfortunate to say this because, you know, you want to pull your, your hair out watching this bullpen, but, like, the next six weeks are going to – or five weeks now, excuse me, as we're in late August. Uh, it's going to be experimentation, especially with the bullpen. Finding what works, what's in the good, you know, what kind of lines up correctly and and what's the optimal path and probably two optimal paths for the playoffs so that they can be able to use that bullpen fully. If if Michael Kopech can turn it around in two weeks, great. You're right back into the mix. You know, let, again, maybe we'll start they'll start them in the seventh and work them in. You know, if you can't, great. You're mopping up and you're throwing the sixth kind of thing. So it, it's that kind of thing where right now there isn't an answer, but. But right now, we they really don't need an answer. You know, they, they have a month to kind of figure it out. And I think, rightfully, I think they're going to use it because uh, they're in a position where they really not – you don't want to take your foot off the gas pedal. But you can at least put it in cruise control and just kind of, you know, stretch your legs out for a second. I, I would like them to figure it out soon, though. That That's why I slightly disagree. I want them to figure it out for the Boston series at home, which – Looking at the calendar, I think it's like September 10th through the 12th uh, for the Red Sox and White Sox series at home. I would like them to figure that out because that's the next series other than the series at Oakland where in that six games, you have the three against Oakland and then three against Boston. You have back-to-back series against teams that could be in the postseason. I want the White Sox to be able to have a firm game plan for the eighth inning. Because they don't have one now, Bennett. And I know what you're saying that, you know, they got they got another month to figure it out because they got to figure it out before October 6th. But I'm also looking at it, the glass is like half full 
well, it's half empty. You don't have that many games left to figure out what your eighth inning plan is. And you may enter in overthinking, and that's where managers get in trouble as well. It just really helped if somebody in this bullpen stepped up big time. And to come full circle in this conversation, maybe you are right, Bennett. Maybe Liam Hendricks has to be the relief ace and Craig Kimbrell is the closer because I think all White Sox fans have a lot of faith that, yeah, Hendricks can absolutely take care of the eighth and not can he only take care of the eighth, but he could probably take care of the seventh. So if someone like Carlos Rodon can go only five innings in a postseason game because you're worried about injury, maybe Ryan Tapera takes the sixth. Hendricks takes the seventh and eighth, and then Hendricks hands off the ball to Kate, to Craig Kimbrell, and you win yourself a playoff game. Maybe that's the route the White Sox will have to take in the postseason. But I'd like to see, I'd like to see someone step up and try to solidify that eighth inning role because again, it is August twenty sixth, and we're still talking about the eighth inning when we all thought on July thirtieth uh, that Rick Hahn had fixed that issue by acquiring Craig Kimbrell. Now, the Chicago White Sox, after this series against the Toronto Blue Jays, they went 7-7 seven and seven during this 14-game gauntlet, uh, facing teams that are going to be postseason contenders, the Yankees, the Athletics, the Rays, and the Blue Jays. Going 7-7 seven and seven, uh, is pretty good against playoff teams, uh, Bennett. What was the big lesson that you learned over these last two weeks during this 14-game gauntlet for the White Sox? Uh, Tim Anderson is the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, it's not as simple as that. And it, it obviously yesterday they still didn't score, but Tim Anderson is, is the, the key to this offense. The guy that gets the team going, uh, when they, when he was out for five games, I think they had one game where maybe two, where they scored more than a couple runs. Uh, he's just, I don't know if, and it, it seems like it's him leading off has to be it too. I don't know if it's the way he, he carries himself, the way he hypes the team up, but Tim Anderson is the key to this offense, uh, in my opinion. And the fact that they went 500 while missing him for a third of that run is even more impressive to me. Yeah. And he is the, the heart and soul of the Chicago White Sox, especially in 2021, Jose Abreu's been the leader for a while now uh, from this transition from the rebuild White Sox, who are absolutely terrible, and Jose Abreu's the best team on an absolutely terrible team. And uh, now it's been handed off to Tim Anderson, who is the face of the White Sox. Every big game, he's doing the post-game interview, even though he may not have had the biggest game for the White Sox. Uh, and when he's in the lineup, yeah, they do, they do play with a lot of energy. And that was something that I was kind of confused about is that, you know, Tim Anderson's a very good hitter, but you still have very good hitters in this lineup. They should be scoring more than one run. Uh, so hopefully Tim Anderson stays healthy the rest of the way. I'm sure the White Sox will, when they clinch the American League Central, not if, when they clinch (laughs) the American League Central, uh, that they'll, they'll still work out some days off to keep, uh, Tim Anderson's hamstring fresh because that seems to be barking up on him and he's missed time in each of the last few seasons because of hamstring issues. So that's. That's a good one, Bennett. And uh, again, I'll just reiterate, I believe in the White Sox starting pitching that I think they'll be able to go toe-to-toe. I think if they had to start 
the postseason in Houston. They're going to fare better than they did uh, in May at Houston, where they they pretty much got shell-shocked by the Houston Astros team. Uh, we'll see. But right now, it looks like it's going to be a collision course, and it's going to be White Sox-Astros in that American League Divisional Series. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, after this 14-game gauntlet for the Chicago White Sox, they get a bit of a breather here. Uh, They are at home for the next week, and they only play five games in seven days, in which they have Monday and Thursday next week off. Uh, So that will definitely help as far as the White Sox to give extra rest to the players, but also line up their starting rotation on what they want to do one through five as they inch closer to the postseason. And the first three games uh, out of their five-game homestand is the Chicago Cubs. And the Cubs are not good. That's as nice as I can put it. Uh, They are becoming more unrecognizable for the day. Uh, As far as the players in the lineup, guys I've never even heard of and I'm sure this is how Cubs fans felt when the Chicago Cubs in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 were playing the White Sox. Like, who's Yomer Sanchez? I thought he was Carlos Sanchez. Uh, Nicky Delmonico's batting cleanup? Who's this guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Lamar? Who's that guy? You know, just, just you know. Who's who on the Sox machine? I survived the rebuild pennant. Uh, But for this series for the White Sox, they swept at Wrigley Bennett. 
and pretty convincing fashion in the last two games. There was a scare in the first game uh, when Andrew Romine, out of all players, uh, tied the game off Craig Kimbrell. What are you expecting from an energy level of the White Sox coming home to face the Cubs? Because they played at a pretty high tempo at Wrigley Field. They still cared about at least the first half of the Crosstown Classic. But after whooping them at Wrigley and just having this very tough 14-game stretch, do you think that they can play up to that high energy that they showed earlier at Wrigley? I think the offense scoring 10 runs today certainly helps. I think if, if you were coming off of yesterday's game going into this, it'd be a lot harder when you see uh, kind of just them dragging that to at the home to play the Cubs. But yeah, coming off a 10-run series, uh, a 10-run game rather, I, it feels like they should be able to step right in and, you know, run through them hopefully you know again i as you know josh i will never predict the sweep because it just doesn't happen but there is not an excuse for them to not win this series i i'm with you as a matter of fact there's pretty there's pretty much no excuse for them not to sweep the chicago cubs as i bring up the probable pitchers and it's going to be dallas keichel on Friday night for the Chicago White Sox because they wanted Rodon to start the game against the Blue Jays. Keegan Thompson will be making the start for the Chicago Cubs. That's a 7.10 p.m. Central time start. And for those that do not live in Chicago, they will be broadcasting that game on MLB Network. Uh, And on Saturday, this is a 6.10 p.m. Central time start. It's Alec Mills against Lance Lynn. And then on Sunday, this is 1.10 p.m. Central Time, and this is the marquee pitching matchup. It's Kyle Hendricks against Dylan Cease, but the White Sox have had no problem against Kyle Hendricks. Jose Abreu feasts off Kyle Hendricks, so if Abreu's in the lineup on Sunday, that's going to be my pick to click. I'm just calling it right now. Uh, For those that are the betting folks, you'll probably want to put in a home run prop bet this upcoming Sunday. And We know that Dylan Cease uh, loves facing the Cubs, and you know, it, it's it's funny. The White Sox are not letting off the gas. They could easily give Lance Lynn a day off and give a start to Ronaldo Lopez if they wanted to. But Keuchel, Lynn, and Cease, and I, I want to chat with you about Cease and how you feel about Cease because he was outstanding against Toronto and he was outstanding the last time he faced the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And this has been a big step forward in his development and something that we all harped on. I remember those conversations in the off season. Why does Dylan Cease, who throws 97 and has one of the best spin rates on his slider, have a worse strikeout rate than Dallas Keuchel? Like, that doesn't make sense. And I, I give credit to Steve Stone because Stone, during the broadcast, he openly admitted that Cease doesn't know how to strike out guys in 2020. Well, Cease has figured out how to strike out guys. And it's remarkable to me when you look at the wins above replacement leaderboard in the American league on fangraphs.com and it's Carlos Rodon number one, Lance Lynn number two, Dylan Cease has the third best war out of the White Sox starting pitchers. He's ahead of Lucas Giolito, barely, but he's ahead. And that's a big surprise. How do you feel about the development of Dylan Cease, especially what we've seen in the second half of the 2021 season, Bennett? I think 
I've been waiting about six weeks for Dylan Cease to face like a, a real playoff contending team and come out, come out and have an excellent start. And he finally did it against Toronto and he looked incredible. Uh, so I, I'm in, uh, I'm still not, you know, I'm not buying a Dylan Cease Jersey. I'm not, you know, going off about him, but I, I will give him the keys to my car to take my daughter out for a night. Like it, it's that kind of situation. He can, I trust him is like the, the, the correct way of what I'm saying. I have enough faith in him that he, that for the rest of this year and going forward, but it's, it's a shorter leash still. I, I, I hate to say I need to see it again, but I, I'm going to need to see it again. I'm going to need to see it a third time. You know, don't stop showing me, uh, keep doing this and I'll, I'll be happy. He's going to dominate the Chicago Cubs on Sunday. I'm just, I'm just going to say it now. I said, and I said playoff teams, please. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. And, you know, maybe he'll get a start against, he'll definitely get a start either on the road at Oakland or against the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox he's, have, he's going to have, he's right now lined up for the Red Sox series. The Red Sox. Okay. Uh, and the Red Sox have a loaded lineup. Uh, that next series after the Red Sox is the Angels. And if Mike Trout is healthy enough, you're going to have to face Trout and you're going to have to face Shohei Otani, uh, who is going to be the 2021 American League MVP. So there's there are opportunities for Cease to continue to prove his worth and prove why that Josh is correct, that Dylan C should start game two of the American League. <laughs> no, uh, we'll, we'll see it how it shakes out. Um, but the last topic that I wanted to chat with you, Bennett, if the Chicago White Sox win at least one game this weekend against the Chicago Cubs, the White Sox clinch the Crosstown Classic. They get the Crosstown Cup. So if you were part of the Chicago White Sox organization, Bennett, and they gave the Crosstown Cup to everyone for a day, like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> How would you spend your day with the Crosstown Cup? Oh, God. Uh, see, like, it's funny because I'm, I'm thinking like the way they do the Stanley Cup. It's not like, oh, you're in Chicago. Like, come use it for a day. It's bring it to wherever you want. So it goes to uh, Russia. It goes to this guy's hometown. So, like, the easy answer is, like, I would probably go to my childhood friend's house and go swimming with it because, like, that's cool enough that the news will pick it up or something. But, like, you know, it's not going to be the Stanley Cup. Like, we're going to bring it to, uh, you know, a strip club. We're going to bathe our child in it. I'm not doing anything like that. But we'll, I'll go swimming with it. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it in the pool. We'll get a nice floaty for it. Uh, and I know it used to be BP, and BP's not good with stuff in water. But, you know, we'll, we'll float it, and we'll we'll get it out there. It'll be safe. I pulled that one out of nowhere, by the way. Uh yeah, but that's all. Yeah, you get as Tim is saying in the comments, you get the picture on the field, you get the whole team crowded around it, <laughs> and uh, and and that's for that. And then my day, I'm going in the pool with it, and we're good. BP's not good in water. It was, it's it's just, it's a fact. It's not it's not sponsored by them anymore, but we know that for a fact. Oh my gosh! All right, I think what I would do is uh, do some hashtag 108ing. I I would go to Pancho Pistoles, which is a an excellent uh, Mexican restaurant on 31st. Uh, it's actually across the street from Freddy's, uh, which Freddy's had the Yerminator burger. And I would ask them to fill the Crosstown Cup 
with a margarita and get myself some steak tacos and drink out of the Crosstown Cup a margarita. Because all you would hear from Northsiders is, well, Caesars makes a better margarita. And I say, screw you, the Crosstown Cup's on the sort the south side right now, and I am having myself a south side margarita. So that's how I would spend. I, I would have a very nice meal with the Crosstown Cup, and I would drink a margarita out of it. Uh, just to note, the last time the Chicago White Sox won the Crosstown Cup, a Chicago baseball team won the World Series. So remember that. Yeah, I can't believe they won the Crosstown Cup in 2016. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's my favorite picture because you can see everyone in the picture hates each other, but they're all crowded around this trophy they won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a team. What a team. Well, we will be recapping the final series of the White Sox and the Cubs on Monday Sox Machine Podcast. Jim will be rejoining me uh, for that episode. For those wondering, where is Jim? He is currently in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He spent a couple of days in Kannapolis to see the Cannonballers, and now he is seeing the Dash, and he will be reporting from Winston-Salem and all of his findings and what he thinks of the lower A levels of the White Sox farm system on SoxMachine.com, and we'll have those conversations on Monday as well. Uh, especially if the White Sox sweep the Chicago Cubs. And we'll also take a look at the postseason picture as we get really close to the month of September because after these three games against the Chicago Cubs, uh, they have Monday off and then it's two games against the Pittsburgh Pirates, which should be pretty easy as well. So there might be an opportunity here, Bennett, of a six-game winning streak for the White Sox and maybe get that uh, cushion in the American League Central extended past 10 games again over Cleveland. Yeah, uh, I don't predict sweeps. Uh, they're taking both the games against Pittsburgh. <laughs> they should. Oh, boy. Uh, if they don't... Now, now, I've doomed, now, now I've doomed us all. But You have. You most definitely have. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Bennett, thank you so much for filling in for Jim and co-piloting this episode. And thank you to everyone that watched the live stream on YouTube.com slash Sox Machine. If you can, and if you do enjoy watching videos on YouTube, go to our YouTube channel and smash the subscribe button, as the cool kids say, at YouTube.com slash Socks Machine. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Socks Machine. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Socks Machine underscore Josh. And, of course, follow Bennett at the Bennett K on Twitter. And if you don't get an opportunity to watch the live stream of Socks Machine Live, we always upload the audio version of the show into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy our work and want more, go to patreon.com slash Machine, where we have several different tiers of support uh, with monthly supporting uh, tiers starting at $2 a month. I... We have the Sox Machine caps. The pre-order shipments went out. There will be some Sox Machine caps available to purchase on the Sox Machine store at SoxMachine.com. But I do have a teaser. Jim texted me a photo of the next swag item. And I'm telling you guys right now, you are going to want this item. It's just as cool as the ball cap. And it's really well made. So... If you enjoy your work and you want that first opportunity of the new Sox Machine swag, go to patreon.com slash Sox Machine to sign up. 
Socks Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Bennett Carroll, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.